0: Okay, we're going. My dog won't watch. Okay. <clears throat> but anyway, anyway, let's let's look at. It. I want us to see that that you know Jesus is always all you need. He's all you need. It's not. And and when you say all you need, you can't add to it. Oh, and my my goodness, is because if I don't do the Lord right, I can forget. No, <clears throat> what you need to do with the Lord is just believe him. Now I want to show you something right here. Oh, uh, watch right here in uh, in the King James version. Here, in Philippians chapter three. And, uh, let me go, let's see. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. You know, what's interesting. Chapter 4 tells us to rejoice in the Lord. And remember, when the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord, it's not like maybe we have heard preachers or maybe a little voice you might hear saying, you know, you better rejoice. When you really feel bad. You know, if you feel bad, there must be a reason. And God's there to help you. We're supposed to weep for those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. God knows when you're having difficulties, and he's not telling us when we have difficulties to just just rejoice you know, huh? some people got it worse than you. No, no, no. We rejoice because, wait a minute, I really have the answer. See, James goes on to tell us in James 5, now we're not going there, but you can recall this, where it says, is any sick among you? Right before that, he says, is any among you afflicted? He says, let him what? Pray. I mean, it's like, oh, you're really asking for if you pray. No, you're not. You're going to get out of trouble if you pray. But it's just interesting here, again. You know, Paul says, and this is in the third chapter, it's not rejoicing the Lord always. In the fourth chapter, again I say rejoice. This is the third chapter. My brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And he's going to tell you why. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of the dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. What on earth is he talking about? Well, let's just flip over to the living Bible. It really helps us out. Concision, you probably can figure out by the next little phrase. Circumcision there. Okay, so he's who are these dogs? And what is he talking about? Watch this, very, very easy to see. And this is gonna be so fantastic, it's totally set you free from all the thoughts that try to come to you during the week. I hope I make it. I hope one day when I stand before Christ, I'm gonna be okay. Are you kidding me? Jesus was born in a manger. Why was he born in a manger? We cannot save ourselves. He had to come down here. It's all about Jesus, not about us. So here we go. Whatever happens, uh, dear friends, be glad in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you this. And it's good for you to hear it again and again. Watch out for those wicked men. Wow, who are they? Bank robbers. They're, no, worse than bank robbers. Well, they're just the evil people of this world. No, worse than that. I call them uh, who say, you, uh, excuse me, I, uh, I call them these dangerous dogs, who say you must be circumcised to be saved, you know, or do certain things. And you can have these things stopped in your own mind. Boy, if I just do such and such, God will think I'm a real hot shot and maybe he'll oh, or maybe He'll just barely put up with me and I can make it to heaven. Now watch this, verse 3. For it's not the cutting of our bodies that makes us children of God. It's worshiping him with our spirit. That's the only true circumcision. We Christians glory in what, watch this closely. We glory in what Christ Jesus has done for us and realize we are helpless to save ourselves. Now listen, this is written to a boatload of Christians already. It's not written to the world. We just go out and tell them what the Bible says. This is written to us, to calm us down. Because if we're not calm and sure that we're going to heaven, then it's so stupid. We will not have what's called the good news and rejoicing in our hearts. Because we feel like, oh, dude, God's going to pull out all the ugly things I ever did. But we missed the Passover. The Passover was all about all the sins of the people being taken away. Every year it was a reminder. It was a festival that took place, we'll say like it's in our nation, in Washington, D.C., although Washington, D.C. is obviously not Jerusalem. But anyway, everybody would be called like the thousand men, or whatever, the million men march, or whatever. They all came to one town in the nation. They all came to Jerusalem to go to this festival, if they could. And they would have a Passover. And the high priest, at the final part of that ceremony, would uh, take the lamb and go into the holiest of holies. And what was it for? That's just some sort of ritual. No, it was for the sins of the people. And then guess what? It was also for the sins of who? That high priest. He's made mistakes too. We've got ourselves, we, we've got too much standards on ourselves thinking that, you know, God is not even going to look at me unless I'm better than uh, whoever it is we've built in our own mind. So God won't bless. When I get down on my knees, I'm in trouble. You know, oh, Lord, i got to have some help here. first thing we think of is, oh, no. I don't know if God's going to help me. Oh, we just throw ourselves right out of the prayer room. Anyway, notice this. We're helpless to save ourselves. Yet if anyone else had a reason to hope that he could save himself, I would be. If others could be saved by what they are, certainly I could. For I went through the Jewish uh, initiation ceremony when I was uh, eight days old. Having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish home, that was a branch of the original Benjamin family. So I was a real Jew if there ever was one. Now, this is Paul talking. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to every Jewish law and custom. And sincere, yes, so much that I greatly persecuted the church. I mean, he was going around killing people. He he put the AOK okay on Stephen's death in the book of Acts. I tried to obey every Jewish rule and regulation right down to the very last point. Wow. Watch what he says here. But all these things. Here we go. But all these things that I thought were very worthwhile, worthwhile, I have thrown them all away, so that I can look again. I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. Now, now let me help you with that. Because a lot of times they say, "Oh yeah, I I believe in Jesus alone." Well, let's make sure you got it. This is, he's not saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, Jesus way. We know that, but let's get it funneled down to what the point is here. There are certain things you need to do to be able to meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's one thing Jesus needs to do for you to meet Jesus. And that's what he's saying. So that I could uh, put my hope in Christ alone. Look at this. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the priceless gain of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I put aside all else, counting it worth less than nothing, in order that I might, what, have Christ? Watch this. And become one with him, no longer counting, look at this, no longer counting on being saved by being good enough or obeying God's law. See, that's what drives us crazy. We'll think, I'm just not pleasing to God. Where do you get that? Well, I just woke up and I just, I just I, I, I'm thinking of things that I've done wrong and whatever. what well, am crying out loud. Have you not heard of 1 John 1, 9? First what? First John 1, 9. I, I mean, I, I already know. I don't need the, you do need the Bible. It says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What about this one? David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all through me, and forget not all his benefits, who what? Forgives all thine iniquities, heals all thy diseases. When you wake in the morning, you should recognize, Yeah, I'm forgiven. Praise the Lord. Try this one on uh, Romans chapter 8. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. What do you decide every day? Well, I'm not in Christ Jesus. Some people try to do that. Many, well, I, I just, I'm just not in the Spirit today. Listen, that's not the way the Scripture talks about it. If you gave your life to Christ, you're in the Spirit the whole time. Now, you may choose not to do something right occasionally, but that doesn't mean you're not in Spirit. It just means you blew it. If you read uh, Romans chapter 8, he goes on to say, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Oh, he means when I'm doing things right. Like. No, when you accepted Christ, you weren't in Christ. That's why he says in Colossians chapter 3. He says, uh, oh, your life is hid with Christ in God. But we keep jumping out saying, well, oh, I, I, I don't feel like I'm real good. This doesn't go by your face. So back to this. He says, I'm, not, I'm no longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but by trusting Christ to save me. Now, does this sort of uh, give us reason here to, let me scroll up here, to, uh, hello. Come on, little mouth here. This gives us more reason to understand why he says this right here. Be glad in the Lord. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I absolutely can be glad. So anyway, and becoming one with him, no longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws. You know, the book of Romans actually says, you know, the only way for us to make it was if there were no laws. Have you not read that? I'd be like, yeah, God said that in his book. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Anyway, but by trusting Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Faith. Counting on Christ alone. See, that's the whole story of Christmas. And that's what you can so carry to your kinfolk and carry to your, anybody you meet out there when they're struggling going, oh, are you so happy whatever. It's just the holidays. Oh, I can't wait till the holidays are over with. You hear that so much out there. I'll be glad when this over with. Yeah. And the whole while, everybody's buying, buying gifts and whatever, and we've got our golden opportunity, and they know it. To tell them, you know why you give those gifts? Well, you have to. And then you tell them, no, the reason you give those gifts is because Christ gave himself for you. And they go, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And then you also get to nail a little bit further by saying, you know what? And he still wants to give you a great Christmas. He still wants to give you the answer to your prayer. He still wants to get you out it, if you're any kind of financial trouble, Especially after buying all these gifts for maybe your kids or whatever. And it looks like he's going to be behind on your bills. If you'll just pray and ask him, you'll watch God pay all your bills for you. Because God wants you to have a special Christmas, please. And then they, they catch it boy, in our nation, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're trying to keep up with the Muslims. We're trying to keep up with the Jews. We're trying to keep up well, Let's don't mention Jesus, you know. But I tell you what, we outshine them all and always will. Always will. Now look at verse, uh, verse 10. Now I have given up everything else. I have found it to be the only way to really know Christ is to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again to find out what it really means to suffer and to die with him. So whatever it takes, uh, let me scroll down here. So whatever it takes, I will be one uh, who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are lives are dead. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even learn yet. But I keep working toward that day when I'll finally be all that Christ saves me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I'm still not all that I should be. Now notice who's through talking here. This is Paul. Well, Paul, you have arrived. I mean, you wrote half the new Testament. I mean, you're so holy, whatever. Even Peter and James and John. I'm Peter and John, when they got that guy healed, they said, It's not by our holiness. Oh, no. (laughs) Not by our holiness. Peter could have said, It ain't been two months. I denied him. Two months ago, I mean, I hung out with Jesus for three years. And I swore to him that night that I wouldn't deny him. But I did. Why am I even saved? Well, Peter didn't even go along with him. He's like, It ain't all about me. (laughs) It's about Jesus, and Jesus loves me no matter what. No, dear brothers, I'm still not all I could be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing: forgetting the past hmm. and looking forward to what lies ahead. But see, sometimes we won't forget the past, cause we oh man, I just I've just not been. Paul says I threw it all away just to know Jesus, and then look at this: looking forward, we don't look forward to what's ahead. Hmm. And it's so ridiculous, and it shows that we have a very lack of faith in what Jesus has done for us. It's almost like, you know, well, you know, coach knows me best, so I'm not going to be playing, I'm not going to be playing <clears throat> defense this week or offense. I'm not going to be one of his favorite kids. Oh, yes, you are, too. You really are, because it's not about us. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. I hope all of you who are mature Christians see eye to eye with me on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe that God will make it plain to you if you fully obey the truth you have. Praise the Lord. I mean, God is so much on our side. Let's go over here to, um, uh, oh, well, while we're there, just we're so close, watch this. So you get down here to um, the, well, you got to switch over to the fourth chapter, excuse me. So here it goes right into the fourth chapter, and it says, Dear Christian brothers, I love you and long to see you, for you are my joy and reward for my work. My beloved friends, stay true to the Lord. And now I want to plead with those two dear women, Yodis and thank you, Betty and Lucy, whatever. Please, please, with the Lord's help, quarrel no more. Be friends again, okay? And I ask you, my true teammate, to help these women, for they work side by side with me in telling the good news of others and worked with Clement, too, and the rest of uh Look at this. And, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. You know, your name is written in the book of life. It is. I mean, it, it, it's great. Now he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again with joy. Now why wouldn't we? The third chapter says, you're going to heaven because of what Jesus did for you. You did not have to put up the Christmas tree. Jesus put it up for you. Don't worry about it. He will do all these things for you. You're putting it yourself in yourself. Think about Paul. Paul was, he could have been Slated for, he could, well, but he, uh, he could have been a priest, whatever. But he wasn't of the tribe of, of Aaron. He was the tribe of Benjamin. But he was right on track to be the very top of the top, the elitist the of all of the Jewish uh, religion and worship. But he threw it all away for what? He said, because that ain't the way you get to heaven. <laughs> it's faith in Jesus alone. So he says, hey, for joy. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming to Now, look at verse 6. Now, this is where we all are every day. And it's reason, it's always one of my highlights every time I'm ministering. Don't worry about anything. When the drama team, when we go places, uh, I, I, you always can get people, because we always have difficulties. Everybody on the team has difficulties. You know, whether, whether we've done something wrong or done something right, now we all have difficulties. We're faced with troubles, whatever they are. King David would write in 23rd Psalm, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's just part of life. But I will not worry. Because so I'll with me Thy rod of my staff they comfort me." And he also went on to say, "Goodness and mercy is gonna be there. hmm gonna be fine. And you're gonna prepare a table for me in the midst of this darkness. You know, I'm gonna be by uh, green pastures, still waters. So he says just Don't worry about anything." And about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answer. For if you do this, you'll experience God's peace. So I guess if you don't do this, what's going to happen? Today, two days before Christmas, forget it. You can just forget peace. You can forget peace. I was watching a movie last night, in a Christmas movie, and uh, it was so funny. It was the Angels We Have Heard on High, the two, you know, the, the Love whatever, on the piano. He started singing. Angels we have heard on high, he just started into the first verse again. And she said, No, that's not the right verse. And he looked at her and he said, Oh, you know it? Because the story was she knew the song very well. And she said, Shepherds who went into the story, they were, What is this thing that you guys are so disturbed about? That's what Luke chapter 2 tells you. Praise the Lord. Uh, Luke chapter 1 tells you the story. Matthew, excuse me. Uh, and because remember, those angels showed up. And it was heavenly hosts, and they were proclaiming, you know, peace on earth, good will toward men. And we got to cut through all of the stuff that we think is just words that don't mean anything and realize, wait a minute, they mean something. Those angels didn't get up there to say, you know, we really got some voices. No, they were telling the truth. They were telling the truth. Peace on earth. Something was happening. Why? Did men all of a sudden get their lives together? No! Somebody was born in a manger. And when John the Baptist saw him and he knew him, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And you can read the lyrics to Joy to the World, and you can get it as, as, as well as even <clears throat> angels we have heard on <clears throat> So anyway, if you do this, you'll experience God's peace. I mean, it's this. It's the peace that passes all understanding. And, and this, this describes it in the Living Bible which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Now, where is he going with this? This is you. Whatever you are worried about, you should have this <clears throat> the very second you say, you know, Jesus, I, I'm just not going to work with this anymore. Whew. Now, listen, if it's not going to turn out in your favor, I'd keep worrying about it. Because, <laughs> you, indeed, you will be. I mean, man, if i if I got financial trouble and I'm worried about it and it ain't going to turn out like I want it to be, I'm still worried about it. But the scripture says here, I'm not supposed to worry about it. Hmm. And he's going to handle it. He sure will. Which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and hearts quiet and at rest, what is it? As you trust in Christ Jesus. Let me go over here to um, uh, the book of Colossians here, chapter two, and watch this over here. This is fantastic. Ah, da da da, 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 da da da. Okay, let's see. Mm-hmm. There he is, verse six. Look. And now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust Him too for each day's promise. I mean, you are so going to overcome you are so going to overcome. You can't help but be victorious. Watch this example over here too. Paul, just just like, I mean, I, Marcus is no. He's been with me for years in, in ministry and stuff and, and uh, oh, Bible studies and I don't ever get up here and say, well, tell us what bad things are, you. you know, we always want to know what, what good things, because there's always good things. Watch this. And then, and, if, and then if we're not even in a Bible study or whatever, uh, Marcus would tell me while we were playing things like kickball or whatever and tell these other people around something that happened, you know. It, it's, just, it's like this stuff, you can't stop it from happening, these good things. Now watch this, this is Second Corinthians, I mean, there's two of the biggest books in the New Testament, First and Second Corinthians. Now watch this little story and if you can't compare this to what we talk about today, uh, it's exactly the same. Dear friends, this letter is from me, Paul. Appointed by God, to be Jesus Christ's messenger. And from our dear brother Timothy, we are writing to all uh, you Christians there in Corinth throughout Greece. Some of mean, he's now. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ mightily bless each of you and give you peace. Well, those are just words. They don't mean anything. Are you kidding me? Those are such powerful words. They're actually working. You should have peace. And I'm saying you should look for God's blessing every day. Look at verse 3. What a wonderful God that He has. He is the Father of Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us uh, in our hardships and trials. Now, don't immediately run over to the hallmark section of your faith and go, well, you know, I mean, God just pat you on the back when there's difficulty. No, this is fantastic. Why does He do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same. Help and comfort God has given us. Notice he didn't say, It'll all be worth it all in easy heaven. You stuff down here. No, uh huh. Paul even wrote arguing about whether or not there was a resurrection. He said, You know what? If, if we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. You know. You've got help there. Look at verse five. You can be sure that the more we undergo suffering for Christ, the more he will shower us with his comfort and encouragement. Now, what does he mean? A pat on the back? No. Watch verse six. We are in deep trouble for bringing uh, you comfort and salvation. But in our trouble, God has comforted us. And this, too, to help you. I'm reminded of when Paul was stoned. He got stoned, left for dead. The disciples got around him. All of a sudden, Paul comes back to life again, and they went back into town. And I tell you what, the next day, Paul went right through the town to face stoned, him. they were all looking around, oh, but we killed you. You talk about gloating. But I tell you what. Anyway. So verse uh, verse 7, to show you from my personal experience how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo these same sufferings, he will give you strength to endure. Now he's going to give an example. Verse 8, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. And I believe this is, he's referring to when they stoned him. We were really crushed and overwhelmed and feared we would never live through it. You feel like you're not going to make it through your financial troubles or maybe you feel like there's a pain. You don't even want to go to the doctor. You think, this is so, 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 It didn't go away after two days, three days, four days. And maybe you did go get some help, or maybe the doctor didn't say anything good about it. And he immediately you're always thinking, well, I guess this is my cross to bear. Are you kidding me? How many people did Jesus say that to when he healed them all? How can he heal them all? And then all of a sudden you go, oh, well, wait a minute. I really didn't heal them all, you know. No, he did heal them all. And he will heal you. I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were really crushed and overwhelmed and feared we would never live through it. Now, remember, he's already arguing the point that the same comfort I get, you get too. He's going into a big praise report here. And this is in Second Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 9, we felt we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. Hey, but that was good. For then we uh, put everything into the hands of God, who alone could save us, for he can even raise the dead. Woohoo. no they didn't say, well, we kind of hope God might help us out, but we don't want to get anybody's hopes up. No, he's sin. He's counting on it. Verse 10, and he did help us. And it's interesting. But see that word there? It doesn't just mean going to heaven, does it, in this story here. No, and he did help us and saved us from a terrible death. I don't know if you remember what, when Paul first got saved, he stayed in Damascus, started preaching about Christ, and then they tried to kill him, and they let him down the wall in a basket. That's recorded in, uh, in the book of Acts as well. And also recorded in, uh, actually, it, it, you'll see it in 2 Corinthians right here. So look what he says. But you must help us too by praying for us. For so much thanks and praise will go to God from you, who see his wonderful answers to your prayers for us. Safety. Where is Psalm 91 when you need it? You should know Psalm 91. You should know Psalm 34. Taste and see the Lord is good. I will call upon the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. That's Psalm 18. Verse 4. That's it. Anyway, verse 12. We are so glad that we can say with utter honesty that in all our dealings, we have been pure and sincere, quietly depending upon the Lord for his help, for his help and not our own skills. And that uh, it is even more true, if possible, about the way we have acted to whoops, uh, acted uh, towards you. Wow. But anyway, I mean, God will get that. I don't care what you're faced with. The Lord will get you out of trouble. Let's go one more place over here. <clears throat> you know, some of these big books, I want to encourage you that when you... Look at the book of Hebrews sometime and all your upbringing, because it's been my upbringing too, I can tell you how many chapters, there's 13 chapters we can with. There's 13 in the book of Hebrews, you know, there's 16 in First Corinthians, and we already know, you know, there's how many, you know, Isaiah has 66, you know, we can just, and Luke has 24, you know, and but I encourage you, the book of Hebrews is just like in the Old Testament, when, I uh, forgot which king it was, but it was one of, you know, you had good kings, you had bad kings, good kings, bad kings. That's the whole story of first and second kings and first and second chronicles, whatever. And uh, they're just telling you what these guys did. Anyway, one of them was a the good king, and he's tearing down all these idols that were being put in the temple. And his little helper, the high priest, was working around, I don't know what his name is. And, but anyway, uh, they're fumbling around, and they're cleaning everything up. I mean, they got wheelbarrows, they're pulling all this junk out of the temple that does not belong there. Uh-oh, one of them found the Bible. One of them found the scroll. And they go, oh, we take it to the king. So he ran it to the king, and they said, uh, we were cleaning up. I think it was the, the, the high priest was Hilkiah. And so Hilkiah got this, and he said, uh, hey, boss, uh, well, I was cleaning up in the back room back there, and I found the scroll of the book of the law. And the king said, read it. And so he read. boy, and, and the king started weeping. He started crying. He goes, I think it was Josiah, and King Josiah goes, "Man, we are we are, we are toast. We are not living for God. This is horrible." And King Josiah was a good king, but he didn't have really anything to go by it, other than the fact that we either worship God or we worship these stupid idols. And he was already cleaning all that out, but he realized, "Man, we are so far gone." And he he said he called everybody together and everything, and they hustled up, you know, and they they started living for God again. But what I want to tell you is that King uh, Josiah didn't say, "Hey, read me a little verse or it. Read me just a little verse, too, and then go off on a 30-minute message or what. They read the whole thing. And when Josiah called all the people, they read the whole thing. Now, here's what I want you to get to. The book of Hebrews is not that long. Hebrews chapter 1 is only, I think, 22 verses, 23 verses. That's not very long. The second chapter is even shorter. I think it only goes to 19 verses. The third chapter, I mean, I'm just so familiar with this, this book, I just know. Anyway, the point is it's not that long. But what happens is, if you will take time, and you can actually cover a lot of territory if you just read it out loud. But take the book of Hebrews and try to break through the barrier of chapter 1, marker, and chapter 2. Try to keep going 3 and 4 and 5 and see what happens and you will be so amazed. So watch what happens down here in Hebrews chapter 4. Nothing in Hebrews will keep you out of God's kingdom. You will think you are part of the throne of God with Jesus. You will think you belong there. You will feel that, please God, my sins are covered. I am going to be absolutely okay. So in the fourth chapter, uh, I want to come down here to verse, uh, uh, look at, look at verse 14. But Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest. I would not be calling him a great high priest. It would not roll off my lips if I really felt so down and so low and thinking that, well, you know, I mean, he is, I'll, I'll call him my high priest, but I'm not going to call him a great high priest because, I mean, I don't think he's going to do anything great for me. And I will upset him. And see, a lot of people, uh, they, they, they feel like Jesus is still so angry. No, he's not. The Son of God is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself, look at this, to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. What are you talking about? Going to heaven? Well, uh, we know better than to get out of that one. But this is daily stuff, too. Because watch this, verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Hmm. Nobody told me that before. Well, you should tell yourself. Since he had the same temptations we do, though he never once gave way to them in sin, but notice he didn't say no. <laughs> so your days are over. If you ever fail one more time, you're in trouble. Not no way. Mm-mm. Verse 16. So let us come boldly to the very, look at this, to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. Now, if you're talking about our time of need, uh, I need to go to heaven. we already got that established. We're covered on that. It's the daily things we Faith. God's going to always get you Get you out here with a really will. Father, we thank you, Lord. By your stripes we're healed. We thank you, Lord, that you supply every need, too. We don't have to worry about our finances. We don't have to worry about our enemies, either. So if we're faced with a Goliath that may be trying to mess with us, we know you'll get us away from all our enemies. We've got a sword and a shield. and We overcome. We just thank you for it. Lord, what does that leave you? You told us to go stay attentive to telling others the good news. Lord, it is good news. It's good news to us. Praise the Lord. We love you because you first loved us. Makes it easier for us to tell others about Jesus. That's what we're going to do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.